0: Welcome to Sporting Life. Introducing your host, Ed Draper.
1: Hello, how are you? Welcome along to the podcast. Happy New Year 2022 upon us here in the UK. Just recording this a couple of days before the New Year, so hopefully you had a good one. Hopefully I had a good one as well. Very more uh, warm, strangely mild December day at the time of recording. i just opened the window here in Cheltenham in the west of England. Beautiful day. Hopefully that all goes well for 2022 and we have a brighter one, uh, more liberated, healthier, 2022 all around as a human species so yeah do hope you're well looking forward to the new year thank you for hitting on the button thank you to the sponsors bang Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations check out bno underscore cheltenham for their uh, new year stock on social media, Bangaloffs and Cheltenham website, Bangalofs and Cheltenham on Facebook as well, their page. And just get in touch with Jason Briggs and his team. Remember through that company, Serene AV as well, sister company, brother company, however you phrase it, they're able to source you whatever suits your vision, your budget, not necessarily the world-famous, world-renowned Bang Olufsen equipment it could be whatever is right for you. So worth getting in touch with uh, the chaps, Jason Briggs and his team at Bang of Cheltenham. Jason, a keen amateur footballer. no doubt not getting back out there soon for a game of football in the new year. Uh, my ankle's still uh, restricted by my movement, so I'm hoping to get out and play a game with him at some point. Uh, anyway, thank you to them for the support. Thank you to Cytoplan. Um, if you're looking to optimize your immunity at this time of year, maybe uh, a key one, particularly if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, we're a little bit deficient on things like vitamin D3, vitamin D3, d you may call it, which is that vitamin that we get from the sunshine, which is in pretty short supply. There's a hazy sunshine out there now. I've just opened the window to try and get some on my bonds as I'm recording this <laughs> in the eyeballs. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a good time to, to think about immunity, isn't it? With uh, COVID-19, notwithstanding all the regular coughs and colds as well that we have at this time of year, flus. So uh, worth looking at cytoplan.co.uk if you are in the mood for supplements. We've been taking them for 20 years, the Draper family, under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who's a micronutritionist as well as a general practitioner doctor here in the Cotswolds in the sort of, I guess, south-central of, of England if you were from another country, how you'd phrase it, a very historic part. But um, he's a, a GP there, but also he's a keen advisor for, for Cytoplan as well. If you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N co.uk, You can get the discount code associated with the podcast with the code at checkout. DRAPER10R, Draper ten r d r a p e r all capital letters. The numerals one zero and the capital letter r. And I think it's thirty percent off your first purchase with that discount code. Ten percent thereafter. I do hope you're well at this time of year. Right, onto the podcast. Hopefully a good one to get us fired up for the new year. Lots of resolutions about exercise, fitness, well-being. And a guy who's fascinating, an hour and a half conversation. Could have been more. Do apologize if it dropped out from time to time with the reception, Zoom life and all that. I'm sure you're accustomed to. But Ollie Mel is a fascinating character. He was a Royal Marine commando. In the British military, he's now become a kettlebell world champion in a marathon event, middleweight event. He's from Cheshire in the northwest of England, and he's 40 years of age, same age as me. So he's uh, certainly putting me to shame or inspiring me, whichever way you look at it. But it's an hour-long marathon kettlebell lift, and he is the champion of the world. He did it once during lockdown from a remote arrangement, and then he did it in person in France back end of last year. So wonderful to speak to. Ollie Mel, the one and only.
0: Yeah.
1: Ollie Mel, welcome along to the podcast. Fantastic to see you. I know you're in the midst of, of daddy daycare as well. So it's a, I'm especially <laughs> grateful for your
0: your time. No, it's not a problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. Um, uh, my, my kids kind of follow me to the gym and to competitions and stuff so that they're, they're kind of used to me having to go to work and go upstairs and do a, a call or something like that or, or kind of following with me and stuff so as long as you're used to it I'm used to it
1: absolutely yeah well I've got my daughter going around but she's probably quite happy she's I think she's making um paper snowflakes at the moment yeah so. give them
0: give them something to do that they haven't been able to do for the morning and then they're upset yeah yeah
1: and just hopefully not sort of um yeah give them too much of the opiate of, of cartoons which they want but then I think yeah kind of grumpy for hours afterwards when they watch the too much so that's the problem
0: uh yeah i i don't do a lot of um tv and cartoons with them so that then you can always throw it in as a carrot because they yeah. don't really get to watch it a lot. So if you yeah. want an hour's peace and quiet a Disney film or a cartoon, like there you go, it's gold dust. Yeah, it's like watching an adult on a phone,
1: isn't it? It's kids with cartoons, <laughs> <Yeah. and it's laughs> yeah. kind of like, that kind of like yeah. lethargy and that weird distractedness <laughs> afterwards, which is yeah, quite, quite powerful. Uh, but it's great to speak to you and um, your wife's out at work. Just quickly on that, is she how, how's she getting on with the, the, the pandemic and everything? Because she's a nurse.
0: Yeah, she's she, she's got yeah, she's a critical care nurse at Royal Stoke. So um she's got a uh, long shifts and it's been like a long you know a, a really long uh, past sort of two years but it, it's been that way for everyone um but she uh she qualified pretty much sort of four or five months before the, the first sort of reality of the pandemic kind of oh. kind of hit so she all the all <laughs> the yeah all the training for critical nurse uh would have to go through for university and then straight straight into a complete different set of demands mm. and and things but i don't know how prepared for it you can you can really no. be to be perfectly honest
1: yeah that's that's very true
0: actually well um yeah appreciate
1: appreciate her, her, her hard work at, at the time this will go out in the new year. Oh, as well, the pandemic may well have, have changed and there's been positive yeah, they, yeah, like Omicron, yeah. so hopefully that bears out in terms of its um its severity yeah which is positive
0: I'll resist saying something about it now that turns out to be completely wrong so everyone goes back to remember when <laughs> yeah. you said that and then in January like yeah. obviously the complete opposites
1: happened. so well I wanted to speak to you because you're an inspiring character because you are the kettlebell world champion and I want to dig into this because 15-20 years as a sports journalist I've not really been across the, the kettlebell scene I was obviously aware of CrossFit and, and that arena Yeah. but what does it feel like first of all to, to be a world champion is that is the, is the buzz still still, still there?
0: Um, yeah, very, very much so. Um, I'm kind of, I'm just, just trying, trying to get back into training for the next season. So I've kind of had that bit of time to kind of enjoy the moment, mm. um, which I, I kind of, I work with quite a lot of athletes that compete at like various levels. Um, so whenever I ever get someone who achieves something at this level, I kind of say make make sure you've got that time to go and sort of process it. And, you know, just like you would if someone went to a major event and didn't do so well, you kind of have to let them have that, that time as well. Um, so it, yeah, there was um, the the competition itself was kind of hit with a couple of restrictions. Mm. So it, it didn't have the same sort of world championships events and the EVI KMF, which is the, the affiliation of the International Kettlebell Marathon Federation. Um, it was their first one back after the pandemic. So mm. it kind of really was just the real die-hard serious lifters getting getting together to, to kind of do it and then. Uh, kind of in a sense turn up lift um, and, and go home Um, but it, it did feel um, not not surreal because I've worked for it but that, you know, there's that that moment when there's a that, that last five ten minutes of the event when I kind of realized I'd done it it's a, an hour long event and you can kind of work out where you are in the standings yeah. of it so the last five ten minutes when you you're kind of absolutely dying but um you kind of you know you've made it was yeah. a pretty good feeling it's def- definitely worth worth the training worth the years and worth um, like the actual logistics of getting there just as Omicron was like uh, first landing in Europe as, as I went there so that kind of wave of, of panic a couple of lifters had to kind of leave early to make sure they could get home and, oh, and yeah. borders didn't close and things um, uh, in fact one one of two of people on the england team almost got stranded because they'd planned to drive around Europe afterwards for a bit of a holiday mm. um and then obviously like France was starting to close things down so they literally had to get to the get to the ferry and, and get themselves back home um but yeah it's, it's a great feeling uh and now it's just kind of about getting getting ready I, I've got qualifiers in March I think um and the first the first sort of national competitions will be in March so I've got to start sort of periodize it and, and working my way back into it
1: brilliant and what was it like quickly I want to get into the detail of what a kettlebell marathon world championship is mm. but how did it compare because you won, you won the title online didn't you during the the first yeah. wave of the pandemic how did that compare to winning it in a, a real arena with people
0: um, winning, winning it online felt um, I don't know I don't how many other sports you, you, you kind of at Sky Sports you kind of follow up. but I, I followed the NBA basketball that did the bubble yes. and I know that yeah. the UFC did their fight island so mm-hmm. other sports and affiliations tried to adapt um and and again you know when you're watching it and it kind of feels a bit surreal because they're there but no one else is there and the NBA did like pictures of fans that you could like have almost like a Nintendo Wii game type scenario <laughs> so it kind of did look like you were watching someone play a sport online and, and doing it online you know I was filming it in my gym and competing and filming it there but then I we were also involved in judging when you get to the to the higher end so you would not direct competition not the same list so i would judge quite a lot of different athletes mm. and around the world you're seeing some people lift pretty much on their driveway some people in a flat and, and you're trying to be as professional as you can be about it but at the same time you're kind of like this is a world championship event yeah um, one of the benefit of it being online the year before was it was so much easier for people to to get access to compete you just had to to Mm. Sort of register for it have a camera and, and do it so in some ways the standards for well, the entry level was particularly high and you can imagine some people sort of maybe their standard wouldn't have got them to the world stage had there been the qualifiers and had you had to fly and and pay and get you know it's, it's expensive to be an international athlete you have to do hotels you have to mm. say goodbye to your family for about a time you have to afford your food you have to afford your planes and travel etc um so online um you can do your best uh but for me when i won it i kind of i I knew it wasn't done i I knew like i had to go onto a platform improve on the day um
1: yeah how do, how do they regulate stuff online like weights and things like that? Because there's this sort of those things online that people are lifting massive weights. Yeah. Says, Hang on a minute, that looks like a 10-pound yeah. causes... weight. You're pretending it's 100 pound or something.
0: Yeah, I mean they did a pretty good job. So there are Kettlebell Sports has a big online community because it is a very is a very global e- entity. Um and it is doing a good job of doing that. And there's companies out there like the online. Uh, Kettlebell World Cup, which is a Facebook company. There's a, a big company that some of my friends have, that's um, uh, Kettlebell Sport Hangout, which is another Facebook community. They do a lot of online stuff, and they do a great yeah. job of, of doing it. Um, and the IKMF Um, They put things in place, and so did all the other. There's the IEUKL and the WKSF. They're different kind of affiliations. A bit like boxing. You have, like, different groups that that affiliate. And they all did online. yeah. Yeah, yeah. They all did regulations. So you do one video submission that has to weigh the athlete. And the athlete's weight's got to be shown. And then the weight of the bells and and for a pentathlon, which we did a very big pentathlon um, online competition um, uh, where you have to, you can choose up to five different weights. Um, So Mm -hmm. you have to video one submission that includes your weight, the bell weight, and then it can see you front onto the camera. So it can see the actual fixation, just like a weightlifting competition. And the judge does the best they can. Um, But as good a job as they did, it does cause problems because uh, I was coaching quite a few people that got quite disheartened because the judge gets your video submission afterwards. Mm. So there's no ability for a judge and and normally for a marathon, you can have a coach behind you or what you call cornering. So you have someone can help with chalk and help with water. So if the judge isn't giving you a rep, the judge can explain why you don't get the rep so he can shout out normally it's fixation which means you, you're going too quick or you're not strong enough to fully lock the the, the movement out or the bell never stays you to, still you have to lock the joint do you usually is that yeah yeah, yeah. so the joint has has to lock it. and then there's different so there's there's you know there's essentially it's a clean and a press which we call long cycle a snatch and a a, a jerk so all of them should have anatom- anatomical similarities no matter how your arm will, structures and so you should be able to get a fixation of the bell for the judge to see Hmm. um online you could go for half an hour doing it wrong and and get zero and and some people (laughs) some people were were, you know sucking their guts out yeah and had had you been judging on the day you could have corrected it after the first two or three no reps but because it gets submitted and, and then it gets done um but you know the the whole concept during lockdown was to try and get life to adjust and then to try and take it forward and, yeah. and do what you can do so they did what they could to make it sort of as like an event as they could but there's always going to be uh, like pr- problems with it
1: you need a standard kettlebell is it a standard manufacturer because presumably there's different materials there's different feels different yeah physical um, sizes some some kettlebells are denser aren't they and smaller physically than others i don't know if that makes it easier or harder how it works
0: so um they kind of they kind of did a pretty much some organizations are like an amnesty and just and just weighed a bell because it's quite hard to you know, kettlebells as everybody knows became like gold dust during yes. the pandemic. And this is yes. this is one thing which is good about the sport because all of a sudden we, we came from being a very sort of, not a lot of people knew about kettlebell sports. Some CrossFit guys did and some martial arts guys did. And it has in Europe, it's got quite a big military establishment, particularly for like um, ex-Soviet kind of states. So, oh, yes. so wherever um, USSR training and sports training was, kettlebell sports tends to have like a bit of a, a heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, a competition kettlebell, and I mean, some Fitness, for a large part, had a huge monopoly in them. And they've done a good job in kind of advertising that you can buy like competition bells. They have a certain size and a certain diameter. So the concept is from eight kilograms, which is kind of as low as it kind of goes up to 32, and now 40 kilograms. The bell is exactly the same dimension. So the bell is the same shape. It's the density of the bell that equates to the weight. Then there's also specifications for a handle for a competition or what's Mm -hmm. called GS, which means Guy voice Sports. Um, Yeah, because that's two different shapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then from there, it's meant to be fair because if the handle and the shape are the same, it's just for weight, there's no advantage. Uh, I do a lot of strength conditioning with russian kettlebells which is what we call hard style training because the translation of the sport from russian kind of means soft style training and it's really for like endurance which it is primarily an endurance sport it's about efficiency of how you move yeah so obviously the harder your body is trying to do a thousand repetitions of anything is going to be next to impossible and then the more relaxed you can do the easier it is so a, a russian kettlebell the main consensus is uh the they're all made up the same density to, to make the movements fairly similar. So the size of the bell has to increase. Now, the only problem with that is if you're working with a long distance runner and the heaviest they can use is a 18 or a 22 kilogram bell the bell's only going to be so big you're working with a powerlifter or a rugby player or a heavyweight yeah i've done a lot of work i know you're from looking at your podcast you do a lot of work with ufc and, and boxing boxers,
1: yeah it's, it's been quite a lot of
0: fighters yeah generally yeah 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 so if you take a look at what a heavy you know, if you imagine a body size like brock lesnar <laughs> yeah um, or, or even Big John McCartney who I, I listened to your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I was blown away by that. That was awesome. Um, the size of their hand, you know, they're, they're going to be able to lift some pretty heavy weights. They're big units, but the size of the bell, if you're going up to 40 kilogram Russian bells, the size of the handle is so thick and, mm. and the size of the actual bell becomes sort of impractical to do anything with it but a swing. Um, so a few a few gyms around the UK, you see the heaviest that Russian bells go up to I think is 64 kilograms. Yes. Now the size of it is almost like a small motorbike so like there's only so much you yeah, know physically if you're not if you're not six foot eight yeah. there's not a lot you can read really, no, no matter how strong you are there's not a lot you can realistically do with it there's no space um, for you to swing it or anything because yeah 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 exactly, yeah, exam, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. need an outdoor gym to swing it um but um competition bells will all go for a certain pattern of format um the, the other thing about competition bells is that you yeah, know it, it's a pretty durable bit of kit if, if you're into it it doesn't matter you might get a bit of decoloration a little bit of rust in the handle or things like that but by and large if you buy a decent competition kettlebell you, you, you've got it for life you don't have to worry about dropping it and it, and it breaking or, or anything like that
1: oh that's good and how does it how does it break down in a competition you mentioned weight is it you say this is the weight of kettlebell i want to use or is it your weight is it broken up like boxing
0: like other um uh, yeah like yeah good question So um, there's different weight groups for for what different events you enter. Um, And traditionally, you have what's called Givory Sport, which is the the translation for for kettlebell sport. And these are – and I'm I'm trying to – as a sport that's really exploded and grown, I'm I'm massively oversimplifying. So if I offend people that do some weird – You're the world champion. You could do that, can't you? Uh, I apologize, (laughs) Uh, yeah. But traditionally, you have your 10-minute lifts, which is you hold two kettlebells. And you do either a, a biathlon, which is where you combine your jerk score, which is where you have two kettlebells in a rack position, which is very similar to an Olympic rack. Okay. Uh, and then from there, you do a jerk. So you have a double dip motion, like a driving, mm-hmm. a primary dip and a and a, and a, and a, a locking dip. Um, and you do that for 10 minutes on repetition. So it's how many repetitions you can get. Now, in your weight groups... Yeah it doesn't, you, your body weight doesn't make too much difference because you're, you're no. in your weight group. So it really just is a point per rep with the weights. So, so you,
1: you choose your weight of, of, of the kettlebell yes. according, according partly to your weight and strength. And then that's just, that's yeah, how it well, equalizes it out rather than, so you could have theoretically a small guy with a big guy, they're equally strong kind of thing.
0: I mean, there, there are ways of doing that. Okay, what you call your coefficient score, which is, which again, in the simplistic terms you can get is the weight of the athlete um, so the, the weight of the bell times for repetitions lifted divided by the weight of the athlete. So yeah, if you weighed, 60 kilograms and you are lifting and would say marathon terms you can do things like this and you were lifting a 24 kilogram bell yeah. you could potentially beat someone wearing 120 kilograms lifting a much heavier bell for traditional sports for when you at the professional level they don't really work it like that so basically the professional groups lift certain weights and this kind of comes back to its heritage so so for men traditionally for biathlons you use two 32 kilogram bells okay um and you've got the 10 minute jerk set you get 1.4 your snatch you use one bell but you can change hands only once so you try to do something like five minutes on one hand five minutes on the other hand you get half a point for your snatch score and you combine the two long cycle is the other 10 minute sport with, with two bells um where you do a clean and then mm-hmm. a press but you have to re-clean before the next press which is why the cycle is it's in the translation for it from the russian is long cycle um and you try within certain number of reps yeah. within the time limit, is that right? Yeah, within the 10 minutes. And you can you can stop if, if if you get eight minutes in and you put the bells down and you're done, then that score counts. You just can't pick the bells up. For, for marathons and half marathons, so a half marathon's designated at 30 minutes and a marathon's designated at an hour. And again, simplifying it, yeah, it's sort of big. So you you, you traditionally use one kettlebell yeah you can pick your weights at this point now it used to be professionals for the, for the half hour you'd use a 32 and for the hour you'd use a 24 um you you can change hands whenever you want as many times as you want but the reps will go on and go on and you have to last the time period for your score to count so you can't race ahead and and go as fast as you can go put the bell down and hope nobody beats you which you can do as a tactic in in 10 minute sets if you yeah. don't do lot so if you don't do the whole hour um mainly because of injury or exhaustion or or you know you're having a bad you, know, you, you, you get a bit of an athlete's drop because you're having a bad set and you know you're not going to win and you stump the bells down um the other main thing is for skin tear so you chalk up the sweat and the handle you can you can literally sort of tear the skin off the hand and you drop the bell so um what that tends to mean is um you, your choice of the bell now they've changed it so you, for the IKMF you can now pick your weight you now have to calculate a score so again we're, we're weight group divided so you have to make weight so I'm in the middle weight um, and uh, you can now pick your bell but you will get a score for your bell. So if you and this over an hour is not a bad tactic, I, I think it's a, a good change in the event because you can you can work on whether your strength is your sort of strength or you can yeah. work on your speed and your stamina and your pace if, if that's your strength.
1: So you can, um, you can choose a lower weight then in that case and then get loads of rep. Yeah, you
0: can. Yeah. You um you do need you do need to um so you do get more points the heavier bell you use. So it does encourage you. To, to go to go stronger uh the kind of the idea for that yeah. yeah 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 so, so the, the driving force behind it is to push the sport so that people are, are getting a high work output and i know you you're you've got a sports science background but the uh the vo max and the calorie output at the top level is is pretty impressive that you get on a a fitness level for this so for work volume so we do my my heaviest event i do a 10 minute jerk with a 40 kilogram which i I did at at, at, in france so i I got the the silver medal for that one um so for that one there's a a huge amount of all body motion because you can't you can't just press that with your arm you might get one if you're strong if you're a big you know if you're a second row in rugby you might be able to get a 40k kettlebell from a gym and and do five reps but yeah that's fine. We're you know we're we're trying to get well over hundred for the ten minute slot. So oh. there's no ability on planet Earth you can just muscle with your arm. So the technique becomes essential, and at that work for cardio system for it to get the whole body to be able to move that weight under repetition um, is is what really sort of impresses. It's what really mm. drives me towards sort of pushing myself. That how how hard I can do it with it when it gets to the hour set and you're using you know normally. Yeah, the heaviest weight people will use is up to a 32 kilogram for the hour and it, it used to be much lower but but we used to do it at 24 but when they put these new rules in and you could go heavier it's made athletes kind of go towards well how long can i go with this weight so once you then get fit enough to do it for the hour and someone is pushing your pace and you've got competition and someone's trying to lift more than you it's going to drive the fitness mm. for these marathon athletes really wow. into a into a very impressive work zone.
1: So how many calories are you burning then in the hour of the marathon? Uh,
0: we tried to do studies. Um, and uh, I I I know you went you went to Lucky Diddy, so I went to Manchester yeah. Met. Um, okay. Although I didn't oddly enough I didn't actually do sports science there. Um but I I was in that sort of I, I got along it, yeah yeah I, I was living because I was I was into my sports at the time. So I was living with a lot of sports students and uh, I tried to get in, involved with sort of their tests and things. So um uh, I've got some experience in doing um, like these studies. We're looking at doing uh, Stephen Dogman, who's the president of the IKMF is looking at doing a study based on the calorie output of doing a double heart snatch for, for 10 yeah. minutes, which is one of the new events that's kind of come in in these world games groups. Um, certainly uh, with my athletes, I don't always calorie count um, tests have been done, but the tests have been done and are fairly dated Um, have tracked at around 18 to 22 calories per minute.
1: Um, wow! Like, and, and
0: now again like the yeah, sources the outside, back, like, like so you're yeah. at 700
1: 800 for the hour maybe or something like that which
0: yeah i i, yeah. I would i would argue I, I would argue certainly from me doing calorie counts for training sessions with athletes i would argue that yeah, certainly in an hour i can easily get close to 800 calories out of one of my athletes and and I'm i'm working with a couple of national level mm. kettlebell lifters but again similarly I work with a lot of endurance runners and I work with a lot of Tough Mudders, Uh, but my my gym's got the outdoor assault course and it kind of attracts that Tough Mudder mentality. So I've worked with quite a few fairly high level Tough Mudders. Uh, And some of them we track their uh calorie output for just a generic conditioning pt session and compare it to the assault course going, an hour going around our assault course and again you're getting a good 600 you know seven 700, 700 calories out of that um the 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 thing that i find with it is it's also the muscle fatigue you're getting with the cardio work volume because you know it's if you were to do an hour's non-stop burpees your calorie per minute would be you know, I mean, I'd like maybe Dave Goggins has done it, I don't know. Um but <laughs> <Wow>. yeah, probably, <laughs> yeah, in his what, what yeah, in his sleep. Um, but if you calorie counted that, it wouldn't be that that different from what the um uh, from from what an athlete would do on the platform for for an hour. Mm. Uh, the trouble that, that with it...
1: compares favourably with running, doesn't it, I suppose? Be yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: but what, yeah and, and to be fair, we, as a coach and as a kettlebell coach now, we do get quite a lot of endurance runners that like to do kettlebell sports and, and particularly marathons because you're getting a very high work volume and you're getting a very high muscle recruitment, particularly in the lower body muscles. However, you're not getting um, the ground repetitive landing that you get with running. And one of the biggest things as, as a conditioner who works with a lot of long distance runners, Injury prevention is really sort of 50% of my job to make sure that the, the athlete, you don't become a top level, you know, you don't get to run an ultramarathon without knowing how to train for it. Yeah. So so they don't really come to me being like, should I do press up? Should I do this? Certainly my skill set and conditioning um, and periodizing their training, they won't have a lot of experience with. Like a lot of people who run a triathlon won't really – really fully understand the micro cycles and the macro cycles and you know the the generic concept of intensity and volume yeah they kind of feel that if they just go out and pound the pavement they'll they'll get there yeah, the impact um,
1: the there isn't it though? as well that's a, a difficulty with running i think the more you run the, the more, yeah yeah the more you run the more the more
0: you're run, damaging it. your knees and your hips yeah. and your and, and your ankles and there's no you know there's not really any way around that apart from to get them to do a percentage of their endurance and conditioning work that has zero impact. Yeah. But then again, it, you know, previously to that a lot of runners would talk about plyometric training. And and again, that's a, that's a double-edged sword for them because the more successful the plyometric training is the more efficient they'll be able to run. Therefore the less they'll get injured. However, most plyometric training leads to injuries in your knees uh, and, and your ankles. Yeah. Well, um, impact again, Yeah 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 exactly um but going going back to kettlebell sports and calories um the the typical thing and the reason why i don't i don't like counting is one you've got two ways of calorie counting yourself outside of the lab um and one of that is to wear a chest strap with a heart rate monitor now where you rest the bells that's going to rub exactly on that monitor which is either going to hurt or you're going to get some inaccuracies of your readings because you're moving it and and you're knocking it. The other one is to wear a watch on your wrist with like better technology. And -hmm. now again, that's where the kettlebell rests in the rack position. So you have to turn (laughs) the watch to the inside of the wrist and it's underneath your your kettlebell glove. But even then the damage and the hitting and the moving is going to be like a nuisance at best. And you're probably not going to get as accurate data. So um, you probably have to go to a pretty decent setup to accurately do how many calories people are doing um in gs sport and the 10 minute sports i know that quite a lot of athletes are a lot keener on it because it's not as inconvenient to hold it there and have it bothering you for 10 minutes as opposed to having it for for the hour um certainly there's some very good athletes that are very keen on studying their, their calorie output um i kind of judge it my work volume on your reps per minute so how many reps a minute you can do with what bell for what period of time. And that's how, how I know how hard I'm working. Uh, Cause I can compare that to what the other sort of like top lifters in the world can do uh, because everybody loves to throw their workout on Facebook and Instagram. So it's pretty easy to see what everyone else is doing. Um, and I can equate it to what my athletes are doing when I'm, when I'm working with them.
1: Okay. Uh, what about the calories? What would you be consuming calorifically while you're in a training? So, How, what, how much would you be training per okay, day? Okay. Yeah.
0: Good question. Um, so I, I do. So again, I'm not a qualified nutritionist. Um, so my, so (laughs) my qualifications are as a personal trainer and a, Kettlebell coach and as, as, as a conditioner, and my experience as a strength conditioner. Um, my experience in nutrition has become a lot more vital as I've got got, got involved with this, uh, and, th- and this I think is pretty interesting because uh, I've worked with di- uh, athletes who are vegan, and I've worked with athletes who are pretty much on carnivore diet. So I don't think there is a superior diet. Um, mm. I do, however, so I'm on kind of my. Just getting back into my uh, pre season conditioning. So I'm just stopping, like most athletes kind of should do. Uh, my sport's pretty imbalanced about everything's kind of anterior. You can do posterior exercises like snatches, but at the moment, and, and I'll go back into competing for them, but for the yeah. moment, but I'm you're doing jerks pos- and long cycles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my my back will be and my hamstrings will be less developed than my quads by this point in time so at the moment i'm doing a, a hypertrophy phase where i'm trying to balance my body out and then i'll go into my conditioning phase so at the moment i'm trying to pretty much get every calorie under the sun as long as it's not like junk junk food yeah. my main thing is absence of carbs and presence of carbs so i don't believe it's easy and and we're talking we're not talking about bodybuilding no, we're talking about an athlete's hypertrophy. So it's not, it's not the same kind of. Concept. An endurance sport. As well. um, exactly. Yeah. So I, I will lose a fair bit of muscle mass towards the end. And also, I, I have to make weight. So I I would do things to make weight before my competition because again from fighting experience so I, I have a background in doing amateur fighting so I'm quite used to making weight MMA so I like or boxing. Uh, no well I, oh, it started off as taekwondo and then um, I did actually I got into MMA so I, I still do a little bit of kickboxing sort of as a, as a sport and as, mm. as as a hobby more than anything else uh, but it was more taekwondo ITF and WTF I kind of like vary between competing as a, as a student. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you used to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you get, when you get to 40, your hips don't move quite yeah, the same everybody. as they used to. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I still enjoy it. It's, it's a great sport. Um, uh, I don't, I don't follow it as much as I used to when I was doing it more, no. but, but I, 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 uh, I have a lot of respect. I mean, one thing that's, that's absolutely true is and i say this, I don't think you'll find a decent professional athlete who doesn't do either boxing or kickboxing as a kind of like breaker in between the season Yeah, Uh, so many footballers and rugby players yeah Yeah. it's it's hand-eye coordination it's insane cardio it's insane foot foot speed um you know Mm -hmm. the the drills for a kickboxer compared to a rugby player for for foot conditioning are are, are pretty much the same thing Mm -hmm. um but yeah Yeah. so diet diet-wise going away from making weight when i by so mid-january to early february my my seasons will get towards pre-season training and conditioning work so by there my, my requirements will be completely different so it won't be about getting as much kind of glycogen into my muscles to get as much sort of hypertrophy as i can get which is basically eating as many carbs as i can get to get as big as i can get in <laughs> labor's terms it more focused towards performance and that, yes. that becomes really the singular thing um and i my body tends to work best and I, i've played about with this and 80 percent of my clients tend to work best for kettlebell sports and for endurance events on a very high fat and a very low carb diet really um, you so you, can, you, yeah so you're, you're yeah.
1: So not loading the my, muscle glycogen it's, you're actually going off. no path i path
0: i, path I path and, path. and again like i'm not i'm not jumping on a keto bandwagon i don't want to like <laughs> set any like, some some people get so some it's, like tri- and, it's like a tribalism it's like vaccine, vaccines yeah, vaccine, yeah yeah and, now, and, now and again, religion like and all oh, yeah. and yeah. they get so bent, bent up over it now, again i think really the dedication of your athlete towards their diet that works that they pick is the main is is the most important thing uh, i've got ai um, won't i won't do names but i work with a professional baseball player who his family are based in Manchester and he uh, is on a team in France. So he he literally comes in out of the country and, and I work with him remote and I work with him when he comes in. Now he's been vegetarian for two or three years. It is very, very, very hard to the point where it's almost impractical no matter how much I think high-fat, low-carb diets work, it's all next to impossible to get this guy to do it because you know, it's, 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 in, it's very restrictive. It's not impossible to do it, but it's very restrictive to to work that way for a vegetarian diet. And it's not essential to his, he's not an endurance athlete. His, his, you know, the most he runs is like a, around a triangle. Um, he's much more a, a power and much more mobility athlete. And we work a lot of, on rotational aspects. So he doesn't have to have that. Same diet, um, but I definitely find that my endurance, um, and, and this isn't just for kettlebells. Particularly for endurance things like ultra runners, ultra marathon runners, um, they all tend to do best when you are on a predominantly high fat, low carb diet. What, uh, what and
1: percentage would it be like sort of because normal percentage would be what thirty percent fat in a regular person's diet? Yeah, yeah.
0: So I mean, at the moment, if I try and break it down, I I don't. I don't I live by the results on the scale. So so rather than counting macronutrients from for myself, I kind of am I, I can I've got a rep no, so I work, I try and put on as much weight with as little body fat as possible. So I try I try and put on about a kilogram a week and try and only put on like 0.1 to 0.15% body fat a week, which which I understand the body fat will come off, but it but that's because I'm trying to get bigger. Yeah. Um for For a normal diet for a power athlete, I mean at the moment I'm having probably forty percent carbohydrate yeah twenty twenty five percent protein twenty five percent fat uh, so slightly, now this slightly,
1: would, slightly higher protein than than an average yeah sixty percent yeah.
0: carbohydrate for an average person, but yeah, but I would significantly yeah. more fat yeah yeah um but that's the, the lowest my fat intake will probably be for dietary fats. when I go to my power my conditioning training, you still want some carbohydrates in there i find that i get very like hungry if i am doing heavy sort of lifting uh, without it however when i go into my in season and i'm kind of going to events and making weight for events I, I pretty much go to kind of like maybe 50 50 fat protein um with, and, and it's, it's, the
1: carbohydrate doesn't satiate you in the same way it can make you hungry can't it fill you up more does it? it stops you eating as much definitely
0: what, what i also find as well as I experimented so when I first tried to cut weight for kettlebell competitions because the lower you are the, the more respectable your weights are uh once I've got one one little girl coming in here already well, um time, right? no no she's okay she's, <laughs> she's gonna be for attention um uh so when I am trying to lose weight I also am quite an advocate of intermittent fasting and when you're trying to lose weight you're still conditioning yourself so you're still training so my body can work happy I can train in, in a fairly fasted state, and I don't think it has any depletion on my actual performance. Really? as wow. long as I'm hydrated, as uh, I think hydration is absolutely key to, to. And if you're going to talk about diets, you can talk about an athlete or you're a personal trader. You're talking about weight loss. Like you can sell any product you want to sell in, under the sun. If your person you're talking about doesn't appreciate genuine hydration, um, you, you're kind of doing a disservice. To, How do you measure hydration? Just trying. through your urine color and things, or is it more? Uh, yeah, urine. You, I mean, as, yeah, urine colors uh, like again nhs try tested roots you in color is probably the best way of doing it now yeah like so, so the only supplements i really take are like brocca which which will affect it at different points but the main base thing is the, the more you understand how you work I, I realize that um uh i can i can go quite happy on two cups of coffee a day in the morning and i know that after those two cups of coffee, as long as I had a, about a liter to a liter and a half of water before I train, I'm 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 pretty yeah. happy. Now what this has ha- done to my body is it means that I, I kind of don't get hungry till after I work out. Mm. So I I don't my body isn't telling me to, to eat. Um and I'm not one of these who yeah. intuitive to I just I just literally, I just don't I just don't get hungry. Um and it shifts my eating patterns quite well. So I can quite happily um taking protein shakes which are quite convenient if you are trying to do like a fasting to just yeah. just get some nutrition into you yeah yeah it's way simple simple way, simple way based and, and again you don't have to go and spend insane amounts of money on on products like you can go and buy a box sign of protein that will have B, enough bcaas enough creatine that you, you don't need to to go down that route mm. um and, and if you're a bodybuilder maybe it's completely different but for performance you certainly don't however um if you're you're hydrated and you have some protein after your training sessions i can quite happily go 18 hours uh into an 18 hour uh uh what we call it like time delay yeah which is just the same as intermittent fasting essentially so i can i can quite happily do 18 hours and sort of eat a six o'clock meal uh that, that's pretty decent really? again i yeah yeah and you got, I that'd, I be the don't, first, that'd be the first meal of the day would be 6 p.m yeah it can be you Now, so this this is talking about Sort of the last two to three months of the year, and you don't have to do it. Um, I don't. I don't feel like I'll do that. Maybe four days out of the week, Um, but it doesn't. My main thing is it. It doesn't really get in the way of my performance sets. It doesn't. I I don't. I've never. I've never. Been doing a conditioning work or a kettlebell sets and kind of like fainted or or like I've seen people do it, I've seen that happen, but I've I've never I've never done that. Um, I've I've worked myself to you know, to that point where you feel like you're going to black out. I've certainly worked myself to a point where you're sick, uh, but I've I've never kind of collapsed. Yeah, <laughs> I've never like collapsed on a platform from not eating. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't affect me in that way. But then again, other people may may strongly disagree. And 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 the main thing is. Um, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and open to look at data and research. I'm, I'm happy for someone to say like this study says that the optimal mm-hmm. amount is, 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 this or that. It's quite unique. Um, and it's
1: idiosyncratic, isn't it? I think. Yeah. How we consume it and how what psychologically as well how it affects us.
0: Yeah, d- definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I kind of it took about two to three years for me to kind of like grasp this. Um, my, my lifting excelled really during the second lockdown. Um, and that's where I kind of like I really threw myself into this. Um, and that's when I started thinking about, you know, we were doing quite, there's quite a lot of online competitions you could do. So I, I was doing more competitions in that period than I would do in a normal, in a normal period I'm going to do sort of next year, if things stay open, I'm hopefully looking to do uh, free international competitions and maybe sort of a, another three or four like national yeah. competitions. So I might do like six events in a year. During like that five, three to five month period of that second lockdown, I might've done in those five months, I might've done eight or nine competitions. So I was constantly playing about with my, my, my body. I am normally like to cut three or four kilograms um, for a competition. So I, I compete under 85 kg. I okay, like. To five, I'm talking about
1: eighty five. So that's called middleweight, is it? In, in yeah, games? yes, yes. So there's
0: only really, for so only really three weight groups for guys and girls. That's um, that like pounds, pounds.
1: That would be. I mean, comparing the, the problem between boxing and MMA fans is you get. Yes. Division. Yeah. Middleweights 160 um, in in boxing, and I think middleweights 185 in MMA, isn't it, or something like that? Yeah. That's so great. I was
0: about. I was about to say. So when I was doing, okay, I was a lot younger, so I, I could I could shift weight and also taekwondo it is different as well to, to kickboxing because it's a sport just geared towards smaller bodies. So, so yeah. from where the sport comes from kind of affects their weight. So I would be a heavyweight in Taekwondo pretty much no matter what I weigh, but yeah. I could be easy to be a middleweight in, in kickboxing. Um, so, uh, 85 kilograms we can somebody can do the master work. It out. 170, um, it'd be
1: 170 two. would be two pa- two pa- it's 2.2 isn't it so it must be point, around, it must be around yeah. mma break it must be around 180 185 something like that I'm yeah
0: sure. 180 i'd yeah. say that so I, i'd say i'd probably go up to about 190 192 some something around there um sure. and and again i can so i won't I, I like to be the heaviest person in my group so i like to get you know, the skill is to get as close as you can get at 84.9 mm. it's, it's your you're absolute like, so it's similar to but you're not punched in the head which is yeah yeah it is yeah. But, but but again you know I, I I definitely found this when I was doing combat sports I definitely found that the more weight you've cut the more power you have and I, I strongly believe that oh, I, really? I, I kind of oh
1: yeah 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 as you're, long you're as your body the, you don't have the, the, the notorious effects of, of dehydration
0: or fatigue no I've never, well, I don't normally dehydrate involved in my cutting I, I've never really done it in, in fact in, in many ways I kind of Almost because I'm doing long periods without eating, I kind of almost overhydrate. Hmm. Um, uh, so I, I've never had. Um, I mean, uh, times in the forces when you've had to go your real extended times on yeah, we'll reserves, it, yeah. yeah. yeah um, so yeah, I, I've known what dehydration is in that extent, but from a sporting extent, cutting and making weight, I, I've never really, really done that. Uh, again, we the main differences on, on the bigger competitions, which, which is worth saying. So on a national competition, you get there early, you Mm. weigh in, and then you have as much time to kind of eat as as much as you can eat. (laughs) But the weigh-in's on the day. On a national, yeah. On an international, you have a weigh-in day. So when you go into a main event, you have a registration, athletes registration, athletes weigh in, and you have an opening ceremony, and then you don't lift to the next day. So I might have, on, on my main days, I might have 24 hours plus uh between my weigh-in and between my actual lift um the the downside of the way i've done my diet is on the nationals my metabolism's pretty slow so yeah. you can weigh in at eight in the morning and if I'm lifting at 12, if I eat anything, my st- I get, it's still in my system. This, this is the downside of, of the way I've done it. Well, high fat, so then, high
1: fat and protein. Yeah, and, and, like and the cool. delays.
0: So because I go so long, I can go so long in between meals. I, I find that since I've done that, or maybe it's age, like I can remember doing sports, I can remember doing basketball as a kid. I could eat a, I could eat a a Big Mac in a timeout and, and go back on yeah. the court go and play at the age of 15 or 16. Yeah. So, it's, so like it a like, the, it's like a it, Walter.
1: It's like a at the uh, fair now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Everything, yeah, everything yeah, inside is a, bit, is a bit more yeah. uh, struggling um, and, and responsive.
0: Yeah. yeah, Yeah, totally. So now, now, um, say you weigh in at eight. I can manage a protein shake and maybe some some form of meat or some real yeah. simple mm. something that's not going to weigh me down. But then after the competition, you can eat anything under under planet Earth. How much is this um, nice
1: blowing up then? Because in fighting, obviously, you hear ridiculous stories, don't you, of people? I remember when Canelo was making light middle; they said he'd be 14 pounds heavier, so he'd be effectively a super middleweight when he went into a light middleweight fight. And um, yeah, uh, are people blowing up from from the way in the day before on the international scene to when they actually compete? Or would that be, I guess you, I guess with something like kettlebells, you don't want to mess around with your body too much.
0: Um, yeah, you don't. I mean, I mean, the thing here. So, and this is the difference between cutting weight to then. So, let's say you're doing an an amateur or professional, what eight eight rounds um, for boxing or twelve rounds. So, your actual time in your event. So, like even if you go to the UFC where you've got five minute rounds, like a fifteen minute event. Yeah. Adrenaline can kind of carry you a fair way through it. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Um, whereas an hour event. If your body isn't in the right set, hydration wise and nutrition wise, you can you, you can be in in a world of trouble. So um, other people don't share my views on some some people really like to to gently bring himself down and just kind of be sitting on that weight some people just like to stay in their group so some people won't try and drop Uh, and and i know a lot of athletes that that, that like to do that because they they do the same thing they don't want to be dehydrated they say that they feel lethargic Um, this sport attracts people that are slightly later in life so the the normal thing and most people that get into kettlebell sports have had some kind of career in a sport beforehand Mm -hmm. quite quite a lot of um there's quite a lot of full contact karate guys the, the, okay. the, like European wise, that got to a very high level there. The they just don't the want to have any
1: more contact and impact. They just want to. Do yeah, it. yeah. There's it's
0: only like there's that. only so long. When you get to the other side of thirty as an athlete, um, there's only so much. Say whatever it is, rugby, football. You know, there's only so much damage a, 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 a high level footballer's knees can take. Hmm playing, you know, let's say you've been playing football competitively from the age of eight, and you're now 35. The idea of doing a sport that isn't going to shred your knees is probably pretty good. And it's the same with kickboxing. Um, the, the You know, the, the idea of doing a sport where you can win is competitive. You can be at a high level, and no one's going to try and punch you in the face. At some point, starts to like appeal to you. Is it, is- we do get...
1: Do you sustain damage? Does it? Does it? Does it? Is there a lot of wear and tear, or do you feel that it's it's actually it's manageable for the body to, to do extreme kettlebells? For, for kettlebells? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I think. Well, I think um, the the areas you can build it up. If you have an injury uh, through sort of bad technique or bad loading process, so you basically you lift too heavy and you cycle too too quick it would be your knees or your back or your elbow it, it kind of tends to be votes um, repetitive and just the wear and tear so it's my 12th year doing this competitively now oh no uh, yeah something something around there from, from when i first got into it um, my wrists, since I've been when I started lifting heavy, so about three or four years of lifting a, a 40 kilogram bell and 32 kilogram belts, the my wrists and my forearms are starting to get a bit of damage, just where the bell's starting to sit. So I'm starting to get like a what you call a, a lifter's forearm where you've kind of got this permanent kind of inflammation that my physio looks at yeah. on, on both of my wrists. Outside of that, um it's a it, it's a high repetitive. my my girl was running around the background it's a a high repetitive motion sport so you would expect to get the similar types of injuries like maybe a cyclist or a triathlon athlete would get um i've not got any mobility issues my physio is like worried about and i don't know lifters who have had to stop lifting because of injuries from kettlebells. Mm. But because we tend to, this tends to be people's second sports, the age of these lifters, and it's not, it's not something where being young isn't necessarily an advantage because the athleticism is, is somewhat restrictive. Being able to jump higher won't necessarily help you get a lockout for the length of your arm. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in, in basketball, if you've got a 40 inch vertical in your, in your <laughs> 20s, you're not going to have that. You know, like you can see like LeBron James at 37 still dominating in his, in his era. But the average age, you know, people at, at the age of 25, 26, you're yeah. not as viable an option as an 18 year old coming straight in. With this sport, it's you know, your endurance and your strength don't necessarily deteriorate your yeah. your your ability to accelerate and your sprint ability ability and your reactive tissues aren't as essential. Uh so most athletes kind of get to 40 and they're still competing at the professional level. And then yeah. so 43, 44, 45, you know, you start to uh, maybe um, your shoulder mobility affects your lockout potentially. Um but they tend to retire because they reach that age where they think, you know what, one sport or another. Uh, I've been traveling and competing sure. 20, 30 years right. now. There's a, there's a time in which you want to you call it a day. Um, uh, athletes get injured in any sport um the, the the main things you know uh kettlebell lifters tend to have bruises on their arms from the bell they tend to have bruises on their hips where their their elbows hit and they tend to have tears in their hand and calluses where the where the bell just rips your skin yeah which when you hear about it you kind of think well who would want to do that but then look <laughs> at a boxer's ear or yeah. an mma you know look, look look at look at a bjj call or, or Lawrence yeah.
1: Delalio, the uh former england rugby player I've seen him sort of dragging his leg down the road after, after yeah 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 he's yeah, yeah. always, always a Sport isn't a, necessarily healthy yeah, per se. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, it's hunch, hunch yourself, you know, uh, I mean, we do, I do a lot of work with horses because of the area that I'm in. So I have a lot of horse riders that, that come to us. Um, so I, I train quite a few people there. You know, take a look at the posture of a, of a, of a jockey and, yeah. you know, see who wants, who wants to go basically on an eight foot high motorbike. That has its own minds yeah, and jump over the stuff. Yeah, yeah, the boys, yeah. yeah. The hard ground. Uh, so that, yeah, but, but people go, that's crazy what? doing that for an hour. Look at your hands, you know. So if you're into the sport, you're gonna you're gonna accept some wear and tear.
1: Yeah, a lot of its mental benefits as well. What about your kettlebell? You're describing a marathon, and endurance event, and a lot of people view mm. kettlebell as endurance, strength, and condition. Yeah. Is there a maximal strength event? So people would think maybe of weightlifting, where you try and lift one weight. Is there anything you can? Yeah, or is that not practical with the kettlebells. I don't
0: know. Yeah, it's it's not essentially practical because you've got the logistics of making a kettlebell heavy enough for an athlete. Um, so uh, the upper weight limits that people are doing it with, uh, and again, the roots the, the, the root of the sport comes from quite an interesting backstory. Mm. Um, so the root of the sport really is uh, Russian. Uh, poods, was a a form of weighing grain. So a pood Uh was about 16 kilograms, which is why the Bells have this format. A 12 uh 16 20, 20, 24 32 yeah yeah, yeah. and the, the, the way the sport formed was um with sort of weighing out grain in kind of peasant sort of feudal russian sort of backgrounds you would have farmers selling grains you would have traveling farmers and you'd have travelers and they would sort of solve issues with his weights about what weighed stuff and then any disputes or for like entertainment the strong men of the village and the strong men of people who are traveling to sell and and buy would get the 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 weights the the poos the four pood weight and they would lift it until you outlift each other Uh so it never became a case of who can lift the heaviest weight because no yeah. one would those vvs in russian be a farmer there's no sense to get a heavier bell because it wasn't practical so you used it to weigh the grain however it was a sense of well if that guy can do 10 can you do 12 or if that guy could do 12 can you do 15 so the sport had its tradition that evolved and evolved and evolved into how many reps can you do yeah. over how heavy you can lift and in, all, and in all reality you'd never be able to take a kettlebell lifter and put them. Toe to toe with an Olympic lifter, the Olympic lifter would outlift them in the Olympic parameters ten times out of ten because they're, with, they're with stronger. Weights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So probably anyway. way, you know, if you follow that format, mm. so probably had to outlift on a one rep max level, even any a, even any with a belt. yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see but, but again it'd be interesting to then see how heavy you can actually make a, a competition kettlebell that somebody can do uh, there's a there's a guy um, I'll pronounce his name incredibly wrong but uh, I, I learned from a guy called Steve Cotter who has a guy called Fedorenko who is a, a Russian who lives in America and uh, he had the records for the strength so they were custom making sports kettlebells up to 100 kilograms yeah, and he was oh, able to one hand press them um, <laughs> so, moving, so again moving the house was,
1: becomes difficult doesn't it when you've got a kettlebell yeah, in the back yeah, yeah
0: um But I don't, I don't see how you're practically going to make that, that because you, you'll end up being where, where does that essentially stop? And, and then you end yeah. up going into it. You, you end up basically going into a different sport. It's kind with, of the with, end of it. With, with, with a barbell or whatever. You can just load it with you can, yeah, exactly. You can just load an additional weight. So, so it's obviously going to be a superior way. I mean, I mean powerlifting. If you look at what the, you know, the top end of those guys are capable of, yeah, you know, you, you've got like even even deadlifting. If you take a look at uh, Eddie and, and Hoffman, the, you know, the limits they push for the human ability to, to deadlift is ridiculous. And it's uh, Eddie. Uh, Eddie Hall, oh, Eddie Hall and, Eddie Hall. and uh, yeah. who beat him, the, the mountain. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- th- those records, you know, you at, at some point, you know, they are moving houses at some point with the weight they're, they're picking up and shifting. Um, so the sport by it, its its interest of the sport um, are how many times can you lift that weight? But we, we're now getting up. So there's uh, two Spanish guys who do the half hour set with a jerk um, who uh, lifting the 40 kilogram for half an hour uh so there you know now they're getting into that strength endurance crossover um which is a really really impressive feat Uh, and that's where the sport's kind of going to develop um so on that way yeah we see ourselves as endurance athletes but but um it's at some point someone's going to turn around and go hold on this is a pretty decent strength feat let, let alone you know go go into a gym and get Again, like go into a gym and find out how many people in your basic gym can pick up a forty-kilogram kettlebell and actually press it overhead. Yeah. Um, yeah, with, with technique or without technique.
1: Well, that's but that's interesting because people do use, and I've used it actually, particularly through, during the pandemic. Following a guy called Dan Lawrence, who's on Instagram as at Performance Three Six Five, he's the head of conditioning. Strength and conditioning at matchroom for works with a lot of the matchrooms boxers and mm. he just did a couple of uh, a routine that I've just done in, including lunges and stuff which yeah. I'm doing it with an 18 kilogram weight and actually become progressively it's more endurance strength but when I first started out I had no experience in kettlebells it's more yeah. of a, yeah. a, a typical eight to twelve reps which would be yeah. into to weightlifting and I, do you do any maximal strength development as part of your training yes do you, do you do bench yeah. press yeah. the conventional there's a, there's a time yeah.
0: and a place yeah there's, I mean any athlete who doesn't doesn't really understand you know how you use you, your your ability to strength condition your body or the knees to it so not, it, just, you know, kettlebells. Yeah. not, oh, not just kettlebells no, no no so i think i think and again this is where some some pure kettlebell lifters think that there's no benefit to doing hard style quote quote kettlebell strength conditioning mm. i think it's absolutely a ludicrous idea because if you think about it like you just said A Russian kettlebell as a strength conditioning tool is one of the most important strength conditioning tools you will get. And and if it wasn't, you wouldn't get people that you're following on Instagram working with professional boxers, professional rugby players, uh, uh, Olympic swimmers to do style kettlebell exercises. The format for it is completely different. So in terms of pure answer to your question, I will only bench press... In reality, in my hypertrophy phase, because the yeah. a, a barbell bench press is is purely really designed to get the maximal activation of your pecs, yeah. so it's yeah, it's pure end of use is to big, get a big, big chest. For a lot of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really for a kettlebell lifter, and, and you've got to ask a strength conditioner. What does the athlete need? So the demands of the athlete will completely dictate how you'll be conditioning that athlete. So, my shoulder mobility is so much more vitally important than my bench press power. So, military pressing is far more of a vital thing. So, I would do quote, quote, hard style kettlebell exercises. I would do a lot of bodyweight exercises because the bodyweight will help my strength endurance more than weights will. Like, so push, it, push it, ups, pressure, yeah, up. yeah, push yeah. ups, push ups, press ups, bar work, ring work, pull up, pull up. um, yeah, pull ups, um, band work. Um, uh, dumbbell exercises, incline bench press and dumbbell exercises, uh, definitely. But but all kind of everything that's going to help my shoulder mobility and anything yeah. that's going to help myself press up and, and be able to to press on repetition and on repetition. Um, I'm I'm a massive advocate when I work with. Wow. Rugby players, which I have worked with, rugby players, boxers, uh, anything that does, uh, does, you know really requires your body to violently push forward um, it has a massive, massive need yeah. for exercises like a kettlebell swing, uh, quad activation, um, and injury prevention is a massive thing. So, so some of the studies on kettlebell uh, training have been directly related to uh, the activation of your hamstring. Yes, and how important my activation is for protecting all those crucial ligaments in your knee. So yes. to stop dislocations in the knee, to stop the, the damage done from running, from jumping exercises, kettlebell swings are absolutely essential. Um, I so them, aren't they, that part. Of the oh yeah, yeah, and it's very, very hard to actually recruit them with an exercise that isn't risky to your athlete without doing things like, um, send, you know, proportionate weight deadlifts. Um, uh, Roman deadlifts and stiff stiff leg deadlifts, uh, leg activation, sort of like hamstring curls, but but kettlebell swings as well. Um, I do like to kind of, I like to learn each year as I train yeah. more and more and more. When like you do the bench press,
1: it. would you be doing low rep stuff? Is that maximal strength? So you be doing like four? Steps, or would you be doing? I mean, well, again, like, like I
0: only use it. I'll only really use my bench press, my flat barbell bench press. I'll only really use it for hypertrophy sets. So for hypertrophy, I'm a massive fan of kind of three things that I found really... I'm a big Charles Poliquin and a big Thomas Platt fan. Mm. I've read, read a lot of their their articles. Um, so I'm a big fan of German volume training, which is supersets, 10 sets, 10 reps, supersets. Uh, and again, that's not anything to do with kettlebells. It's it's to do with having an athlete with a short space of time in which to get... You know, You, you, you might, if you're working with a tennis player... Uh, you, you might have the, an eight. Playing week... that ten supersets. Just for yeah. Okay. So, so German volume training is an, an overload series that uh, he, Charles Poliquin didn't invent it, but he was certainly the first person to say like this is a very useful thing that that people mm-hmm. would do in in the past. um So it's the element that you do one superset for for a muscle group, and you can develop it and expand it. So the more years I've done this, the more I've I've kind of added bits to it. But at its basic, it's a simple superset for your chest or, or any muscle. So for, so just take chest for. A Example: you could do a a flat bench and Mm -hmm. then you can maybe do an incline bench or a fly the element is to use yeah elements use compound over isolation Uh, and these come from sort of 1800s 1900s times when you you didn't have machines to do these exercises for you Um, but the element is a superset both exercises are done to 10 reps they're not necessarily done to failure. So you're looking at starting at maybe a 15 rep or 12 to 50 rep max, but you limit your recovery time between your sets. So yeah. ideally, ninety second rest between the second round or third round, but you go for ten sets. So, so you, do, so you the do whole bench,
1: bench press ten, and then you do a, a straight into the rest, and, yeah, and then no ninety seconds rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And you, you attempt to do that for the whole ten sets. So your whole work volume for your chest workout would be two hundred reps would be the total work volume. Mm, Which, if you read, wow. you know, quite a lot again, like people on Instagram, if your business is is of your subscribers need constant information you're going to have to constantly do new workouts and constantly do new workouts however that's not what strength conditioning comes from strength conditioning doesn't care how many people follow you on instagram strength conditioning cares how well do you prepare yourself as an athlete for the next phase of your training so simple elements like this um, and i've always gone to this rather than over complicated routines so I've always liked to do very simple exercise selection, very simple compound movements um, and stuff for me that kind of like if someone with a very high reputation has actually used them for themselves, other people it's worth worth looking at. And you can't you can't pick anyone higher really than Charles Pol- Poliquin for, for those sorts of things. So um, German volume training for me tends to work it tends to work for my athletes and the other things that tend to work. But one of the things having worked with bodybuilders that I have seen that works as well for hypertrophy are simple drop sets. Uh, now on a drop set, machines are kind of superior to using dumbbells or barbells Cause it's just easier. You literally finish the stack, yeah. put the pin in and you, you really want to get that restricted recovery. So you literally like a, a, a drop set should be finished, hit failure, drop the weight go back in hit failure drop the weight go back in you don't have How to do long, a complete.
1: ultimately like technically you've got 20 seconds
0: 30 seconds just for
1: doing the adjustment of the, the pin on the yeah weight. yeah if, yes. if
0: you've got a spotter five seconds you know yeah. li, 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 literally as little time as you can get in between for, for a two drop set uh, the only other things that i think tend to, to to really work again in a short space of time because it's about the variety really that, that gets the, the muscle to, to, to grow so um you, if you're going to do an eight week or 12 weeks, really, no matter what sport you're working with, 12 weeks is really the maximum amount of time you're going to have to be in this phase of training before you've got to switch into like fight, other, yeah. other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. It's, it's why eight to 12 weeks kind of, kind of works for the, for the uh, macro cycle. Um, so uh, normally if your body's not used to it, Because you're not doing any hypertrophy whatsoever. You have if you haven't bench pressed for six months, Mm. bench pressing two sets of fifteen will promote hypertrophy, but it won't. You're trying to get the maximal stimulation that you can get um in yeah. in that time frame that you have without so injury, draw, not to go yeah to yeah yeah without issues. risk yeah. And injury yeah, yeah yeah uh and and the other thing is um higher rep work for hypertrophy and i'm not getting into this point divide of how it's the best way to get big because we're not talking you don't you don't have six months to bulk and like five months to cut um when you're strength conditioning, like you said, you'll be doing some maximal work. So even though I won't particularly bench press, I will be doing either long endurance work on my body weight, or even very very difficult body weight exercises like planche push ups, or sort of re- really challenging work that's really hitting you at a maximal load to, to get my strength as high as I can get it. So my body weight strength ratio wants to be as high as I can get, and my conditioning wants to allow me to replicate that as many times as possible without fatigue. And my skill training with the kettlebell match was my actual. My actual sports sets should get my skill set with the technique with the bell so good that I'm so efficient at lifting it that my technique doesn't interrupt my strength or my cardio crossover so I'll, I'll be doing quite a lot and I'll get my athletes to do quite a lot of high load strength exercises yes. so you're not then if you then for your hypertrophy go well this bodybuilder does lots of really to six sets at five reps and you, you you're pretty much doing that type of stuff Albeit with different exercises already. So, you're not going to get the variety for your body to go, I'm strength training, I'm strength training. Oh, hold on. No, I'm growing and growing and growing. Mm. So, you know, if you want to get an athlete to put on four or five kilograms of muscle, you know, 12, 16 pounds of muscle in a short space of time, you kind of have to have things that, you know, work, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it does make
1: sense. Yeah. It's back. You're right for time, by the way. So, no, we've. Um... Yeah, yeah,
0: I'm good. No, 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 no yeah. I'm good. good. Yeah.
1: Good. yeah. I think that's that's really interesting. Is the skill truck training for the kettlebell? Is that done at low weight then? So you get the technique. Should, um, we, it, should we all start with low kettlebell weights? Yeah, we
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the first thing is get you know, um, we we we're, we're in a world where information has never been more readily available to us. Like you, you're, we're pretty much you're listening to uh, Elon Musk's Joe Joe Rogan's podcast. Like um, I was scared when he went, Do you think we become cyborgs? <laughs> he said, he said, we're 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 already cyborgs. Yeah, you you're, you're never you, your phone is a part of your body now. You know, mm. um, so information's ever present to us. So you can go and look at good kettlebell technique. The down any you know at, at the touch of a button. The downside to that is you can also go and look at really bad kettlebell technique yeah. at, at the touch of a button. And really that easy. that's yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So so if you're not gonna go and get a qualified kettlebell coach, and and even yeah. that doesn't <clears throat> like like you said, you can go and do a four hour course and become a kettlebell certified instructor. Wow. All you're really good for is helping people use a four kilogram kettlebell and, yes. and you know, it, it doesn't really get like, qualifications aren't the end be end all on it. and um, end of Experience, yeah yeah yeah. It is, yeah but uh like light, lightweight just just like anything you know the best power lifters start lifting broomstick weight and then they develop up and develop up and develop up so like mm-hmm. learning any skill you, you've got to learn the foundations and what what i what i kind of like about kettlebells is a sport and the way it's so unforgiving is there's no like the only thing that counts on the day between you and the person who is trying to beat you or however many people are, are fighting for that number one spot there's no like i said there's no perfect body type for a kettlebell lifter there's no perfect age there's no perfect athleticism so you can't really have that advantage or disadvantage the only things that count how serious you prepped how well and hard you trained, how much time you spent with a kettlebell crafting it and crafting it and, and crafting it. And this is where skill sets is so so un- unbelievably good. And this is where, again, that, that old Bruce Lee philosophy, fear not the man who's done 10,000 punches once, fear the man who's done one punch 10,000 times, okay? Yeah. You say, oh, well, kicks even. It's, it's the same thing. It's, if you have the ability to repeat that plane of motion perfectly under a heavy load, on repetition and on repetition and on repetition. You've got that edge no matter what, you know, if the other person's wasting time, planning some secret workout that involves these like vibration bands or, or, or whatever, or they're going into all these saunas and well, you, you can, you can do all that. I'm not negating all <laughs> that stuff, but a base limit. If, if you were spending 60% of your time lifting kettlebells, you're going to get somewhere. If yeah. you're not, you, you know, you, you're not. And it applies to, it applies to everything. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be, you know, and I have these conversations with some conditioners who, who try and limit the amount of time their athletes do in their sport. Or try and prioritise their conditioning over doing their sport, but you're not—you're not, you're not going to get good at jiu-jitsu if you don't get on the mats. You—you're no. just not. You can—you can be as mobile as you want. You can be as strong as you want. You can—you—the know, you, the secret weapon is just being a geek and working hard. And and, and that's the, oh, like, that's, that's the beal and or to it. Um, what is the appeal,
1: uh, t- taking competition out of it from you personally, mm-hmm. what is the appeal of, of kettlebells of people? Because it'll be coming into 2022, you know it's, a, you work in health and fitness, it's a big era for people making life. Yeah. At that, that time, what is the appeal of kettlebells over everything? Is it that, going back to the Russian farmers, the functional strength that it enhances our it ability? Well, certainly to it's
0: become, it's certainly become a stable of a functional fitness kit. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's advantages that make it useful and there's advantages that make it superior. And there's, there's a little different. It's a very, it's one of the most convenient outside of a skipping rope. It's one of the most convenient fitness tools you can mm. get because you can pretty much, you yeah, you can't, you don't want to take it with you when you're going and flying on a holiday to the Bahamas. Uh, but a really one. Can fit, yeah, yeah, a <laughs> can one. fit in your suitcase. But yeah. you will find, you know, when you're in the holiday in Bahamas, you will find a kettlebell in a gym. You know, by you know, at this day and age, you, they they are they've gone from these weird things nobody knew about to 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 something that you know mm. look at the Argos advert or the Amazon advert with a granddad of the old kettlebell. Everybody knew what it was. Um, so they're everywhere now. Um, the 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 but the a dumbbell, that's, that's,
1: that of, a dumbbell doesn't replicate it. We can't use a dumbbell as a cheese. no.
0: It doesn't. I mean, I mean, you can you can. You can you can do that test pretty easily. You can pick a dumbbell up and you can try and swing it, and it's not going to have the same effect as an natural swing. No. You, well, can you can pick right a dumbbell right? up. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just not it's just not as effective, you, you, you know. Um, uh, so what makes it useful compared to other things for a fitness tool are they're versatile. You don't actually need a lot of space to do it you can you can have it in your garage you can take it into your garden um you know again going back to that forces route you can, you can stick it on your butt you can stick it in your backpack if your backpack's strong enough and use it as a weight to, to kind of go go hiking with there's a million and one of things you can do with it you can do these things i've seen people go oh yeah i do kettlebells and i go get a towel a towel through the handle and do tricep extensions oh, next to a machine that's a tricep pull-down <laughs> machine and I'm like well you're probably better just doing a tricep if that's what you want to do with it yeah so yeah really, really. um so they're, they're incredibly versatile which gives you a advantage. But, but again, in or like in being completely honest, that doesn't make them better than any other kit. However, by their functional their functional ability they have advantages make them superior to, to dumbbells in certain ways and the real real thing about that going back to old school kettlebells and the best explanation for it is the center of the mass is different to as it is with a dumbbell or a barbell so a dumbbell and a barbell your weights are either side and you're holding in the center of mass now that gives you certain advantages for the overall weight you can lift like you you will always be able to deadlift a heavier deadlift than, than, than a kettlebell and you can test that because of the density of the lift so so you can get a sixty-kilogram kettlebell, and you can get a sixty-kilogram barbell, and work out which is easy to deadlift, and that that will that will prove actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, spread, you know, you, spread across a wider exactly, area. exactly. Yeah. Now yeah, the, the what makes but but then again, if you don't have like if you don't have the money to go and buy yourself barbells and Olympic plates, but you can buy a kettlebell, you can still deadlift a kettlebell. So if you're restricted on time or space, you can do any exercise with a kettlebell. Two, two hands through the handle. Yeah, two hands, that. one hand. Yeah. You can get two. You can you, know, you can go you know, you you see a. Picture in a gym of a guy doing press ups with handles, hands on the on the kettlebell. You know, there's there's a million and one uses you can do with them. You can can bench press them as well, can't you? Yeah, you can bench press, yeah. I mean, floor press, there's an argument that, that again, there are arguments for kettlebell diehards that a floor bench press with two kettlebells has an advantage in muscle recruitment over a barbell because of the range of motion you can get with it. Because Mm -hmm. where the kettlebell will sit, you can get a a point where you are not releasing tension from the chest. So if you do a floor bench press with a barbell, once the elbow is coming to the ground, there's very little activation of the chest until you push up again. However, with a kettlebell, because the kettlebell is not on the ground and your elbow is on the ground you are still having to stabilize the kettlebell so therefore there is still dealt recruitment going on and stability exercises going on so the main thing of it is because the ball is away from the handle the center of mass is away from where you are holding it it makes exercises much more difficult and again anybody can test that you go grab a, a 16 kilo, kilogram weight that's a dumbbell shape or as close as you can get like a 15 kilogram dumbbell and you go and you take your elbow away and you do an elbow extension, you can make it a lot harder by doing it with a kettlebell because you're having to stabilize the motion. You can also get much bigger range of motion with the shoulder press because once you learn to hold the kettlebell properly, your hand is below your shoulder, which you cannot replicate with a dumbbell because the dumbbell is physically in the way. So range of motion. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, so again, so if you are a swimmer and shoulder mobility is absolutely crucial, then a kettlebell is far superior than a dumbbell for overhead presses
1: does it does it replace the need for cardio if people are looking at it as a new year thing is it do you do running yeah, or yeah do, I, do, do I, you do, I, do do you do base cardio or do you just use the kettlebells as a cardio workout in a, in a um a,
0: when when you get to a certain point so i try and train so as a an amateur slash pro athlete i try and train 15 hours a week plus um, to do that with a family and I have a business that I'm, I'm yeah. running, so so time constraint and, and, and again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but again, like that. time time constraints become a reality for it. Um, so uh, I also I, I allow myself to get some of my program cardio through some of my classes I teach. So right. I do like a Saturday quote quote don't don't let anyone get upset with me because I can't say certain words because certain companies get. I do a functional fitness class on a Saturday um, okay. uh, uh, that's very, um, very based on like, what in the forces you call it, MetaFit or CrossFit or, or whatever. We do a class like that on a Saturday and I do that class with my clients. And it's a, it's a good marketing thing because people know I'm not gonna be watching their techniques. People know they're gonna be training with me. So they kind of take it as a buzz to train with the gym owner and, and it becomes okay. a good thing. So I get, I get an hour's cardio for that. So certain classes I would do just, just to help for time um but yeah you know i will add so for my conditioning work my strength conditioning work i'll add cardio exercises into there from there anything you know anything from burpees to rope climbs to sprints i'm, I'm a very big advocate of of uh, high intensity sprinting uh i hate it like i absolutely hate it but i'm a very big advocate of well, it benefits, um, just the heart and lungs and everything you think is- heart and lungs you're you talking yeah. about baseline generic cardio yeah, yeah yeah and conditioning as well you know muscle recruitment you know sprinting is a phenomenal developer for your for your quads and your, and your, and your glutes um even even if you can't handle it on the road but like like uh, like if you, you want to have a lovely day's workout um interval sprints on a ski erg interval sprints on a concept to um, rower yeah maybe yeah yeah in a park yeah. just go find a hill just go a yeah. good good old fashioned forces go find a hill uh go run up that hill and do as many burpees on the top of the hill Jog down the hill, do as many press ups, go right up the hill again. You know, you, like you don't, you know, that's that's sprint, great card, that's up the hill, though. It's, it's
1: oh yeah, yeah, he yeah. H- Hills he aren't
0: hills not made for taking a little stroll. Hills are made for you know, sprinting <laughs> up. But again, yeah, you know, if you were gonna buy, it's probably too late but for orders Christmas now and, and, and you don't need to like good luck getting hold of a kettlebell, but pretty much gold does to okay. get hold of now. Everyone in the lockdown bought them. But yeah, the generic kettlebell swing. Uh uh again, in sports world, we kind of people go, Oh, we're too good for that because it's it doesn't you redo snatches and yada yada yada. But if you want to get in shape and you Know how to swing a kettlebell, and you can do you can do two hand swings, you can do high swings, you can do one hand swings, you can do swing snatches. Yeah, there's a million and one things you can do with them. Uh, so yeah, I would I would never deter people from getting into a different type of kettlebell training that I get into. There, there, yeah. It, and if if it wasn't the case. Why do you now see kettlebells as such a stable in yeah. so many people's if, workouts? You have,
1: if you have X amount of time and you don't have time to go for a jog or a swim and do a set of weights, the
0: kettlebell is a sort of to Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah. So, so again, so what, what you're getting at is you are any exercise where you're getting muscle recruitment at the same time as cardio uh, yeah. to a high level. Um, you are going to get more than one benefit so you are going to you so you're talking about an average person you're going to get benefits such as bone density you're going to get benefits such as a higher higher base metabolic rate while your muscles are having to repair at the same time as as your cardio is having to repair Um, cardio systems are repairing i should say Um, so yeah yeah there's a there's a plethora of, of um there's a plethora of advantages being able to concise in a 20 in a 20 minute circuit you can find on youtube again um, just be careful who you go and look at um you have some great people that do single kettlebell whole body cardio conditioning workouts and you ever think you know squats swings deadlifts lunges presses two hand presses you know the the whole works um there's a million and one things you can do with them because a lot of us average Joes and Joannas will we'll be looking in the new year
1: to, to weight loss, won't we? Now, I've always remember back at university, and again, this has gone about 15 or 20 years, but I remember the studies on best weight loss exercise regimes are often combined mm. with weight, weight resistance training and cardio. But if you can do it within a kettlebell, that's, that's brilliant. Talk to me about your gym, though, because... Ty- We've, we've taken so much time, but I'm fascinated by this. we no have an outdoor gym in the northwest yeah. of England, which will send shivers of fear down the spine <laughs> of people like their cozy indoor gym, especially yeah. in with, uh, with with the middle of winter. Although we don't get too cold in the UK, we get we get wet and we dark don't. in the winter. Yeah, but yeah. I think people associate outdoor gyms, or or I would do, with Venice Beach in California, with is it Muscle Beach in Florida? That,
0: that yeah, kind of
1: place. But the idea of, of exercising outdoors for me is huge because we speaking before we recorded but one of my big conflicts around going to the gym was if I've been in a a studio at Sky Sports for eight hours with screens and artificial light the last thing I want to do is spend more time indoors I want to go for a run or walk or or do something outdoors like I've got a pull-up bar outdoors at home I think there is a big appeal to to getting outdoors isn't there because so much of our life is indoors
0: yeah and it's so with you um so there's two ways really um and I'm not going to kind of get into political debates about vaccines and pandemics and fear, you know, people people are grown-ups that can come to their own conclusions over it. Uh, I I think that being outside has an amazing amount of health benefits and a huge boost to your immune system. And if you can get fresh air in a clean environment where you can control it in an outdoor gym, if you go to a park, and I used to teach kettlebell classes in in parks, you don't know who's going to turn up and start laughing at you you don't you don't it's yeah. not your place you don't have control of your environment so the idea and it, this came before the pandemic but Football at the moment flying around things like that yeah yeah exactly yeah. um uh the idea of being able to be outside with facilities in the fresh air with lighting with equipment that you don't have to put in a van and take off um with a community where you can safely exercise under the sun even in the winter you get sunlight um it's uh, particularly sleek, in the summer sun, yeah, sunlight, yeah sunlight, oh so, sunlight, it's so, so good. and the, the tests are done at this but everyone you know it's, it's hard to change people's mindsets as to what will keep them safe and what will keep them happy and what will keep them healthy but the the mental health benefits that my gym members talk about exercising outdoors or even even the indoor buildings we don't have a lot of light because it's an old farm set up so as you expand it you can't just Add floodlights and heaters and stuff like that because you, you the just lost
1: your momentarily ollie let's see if we uh, we get you back i'll just pause the recording last though. panels
0: it says there's all daylight coming in it's so much better for you um and the mental health aspect of that has been something that every single one of my uh members has talked about um, and you know, you can, you can read, you can go and, and look them on Facebook, uh, at the wolf Wolfback Fitness Cheshire, and you can, you can read the things oh, they right. say about. I love it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, actually, that came from Kenneby. So, so the, 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 the basis for starting this gym up was, um, when I was in the forces, um, you didn't really have, you had access to gyms, you had access to, and fitness is obviously a massive component for what you're trying to like get out of your, your, your people. Um, however, when you're in the field or when you're deployed, you, you don't have the, the same state of the art kit. And you spend all your time outdoors and the the fitness elements that I miss are that idea of, well, let's get four jerry cans. Let's go find a hill. Let's do some exercises at the bottom of the hill. Let's run up the hill, do some exercises at the top of the hill, run down the hill, carry each other up the hill, run down. And, and those forms of exercise in the outdoor environment. When I left the forces and I was adjusting to becoming a civilian, it was very, very hard to work and enjoy gym environments that had row upon row of isolation machines and cross trainers and comfortable zones and spas and saunas and steam rooms. And I just, I wanted something else. So I was very fortunate that I landed myself a job teaching health and safety courses yeah. uh, for a company. And the, the money that was coming into it was quite lucrative. So I allowed myself to, to save money. And then again, you, could, you can't, Set up a a unit. Girls, so, so grab your <laughs> They've been very good. The kids, don't worry.
1: Oh, yeah I think we might have momentarily lost you there. Just uh, just pause the recording for a second Still I just paused the recording because you froze momentarily. It was good though, because I know oh, you sorry. had your little daughter. But you're yeah, I got both. The both, outdoor, yeah. outdoor stuff and the the sort of.
0: More yeah. engaging so, and
1: activating for you from the army background as well. Of, oh, yeah, totally.
0: So. Uh, but then practically when I was trying to set my gym up, I just didn't have the money to go and rent a high unit. The only thing I could afford was this down section of barns. And then a couple of guys like, well, yeah, we can we can do something with learning to build and, and building it and amassing the secondhand hand kit and, and, and just calling it something that was suave and sophisticated wouldn't fit it's 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 wood it's tires it's kettlebells it's it's tractor tires and ropes and and logs and things like that um and when i was first going to these kettlebell competitions when i came out of the forces I was training on my own in, in my garage before I set the gym up. And I didn't have a coach at the time. I didn't have a gym, or I wasn't a part of a kettlebell club. I was finding this stuff out as I went. And I'd go to these competitions. And when you're registered, I would say, what gym are you from? i just go, I'm on my own. So they, they, call, they started calling me as a joke for Lone Wolf. Ah. so the guy who was doing like a day was doing OVM, it became it became my my and every time I go here's the lone wolf so I, I, I wouldn't have 30 people with me I'd just rock up lift <laughs> take my medal have a beer and go um and um I, I said as a joke if I ever open my own place I'm gonna call it the wolf pack so when I when I got around to doing it there was no about it just it it it, it it fit and it fits and as a community you know we, we do call ourselves like a, a pack of wolves and now I've been quite lucky that I've got a good group of people who are coach that are coming down so I'm now taking the like we take the pack with us to the competitions and, and there's guys and girls now that are lifting and competing and winning nationally uh, and, and looking to qualify for England for, for a part of, of the wolf pack so it's been Pretty fairy tale in that in that way how mm. I've done it, um, but the gym it, it's I'm I'm proud of it and I can't take all the credit for it because I've had a lot of help I've had a lot of support from my family I've had a lot of support from the community um, uh, and it's it's one of these things that I've created something all I had to do was have the guts to to start it and mm. it's become something in itself now not to be like mystical and say like it's a lot but but the members kind of have taken this on themselves as well. So, like, uh, when you have people, but, but because I don't have access to all the funds and things that big corporate gyms have, I've got communities where people come with a skill set. So, the amount of members that have helped paint something and build something and, and create something to the gym, and then that becomes something they're proud of. Uh, so, they talk about it. And uh, the amount of people that have come in fairly, you know, with the lockdown. People's health wasn't the best thing. Some people come to me, and their mm-hmm. bodies have been in a pretty bad way. Uh, and again, mentally and physically, you know, they really at- attach and associate themselves to this gym. It's, uh, it's it's hard to get people out of it. More than it is to get, oh, to get good, people to come to it at this point, which well, is which well, is great. Um, and what
1: what what, what are the keys? Because I know time is pressing. You've been you've been great. Yeah, on Friday no, day bed, spend some time. But what are the keys to? Is it just getting the right clothing when you go out in, in the relative cold in the
0: in the UK? Yeah, the, the so waterproof um, clothing and for you, waterproof equipment. that yeah. you know, in terms of so equipment you you can shelter equipment pretty by and large. I mean, uh, most, most market equipment secondhand anyway. So if you, so if you, if you go through two row machines, you've not, you've not spent that as uh, same amount of money as buying it from scratch. So you, you do have to emit certain, like mm. costs will come from operating outdoors. We do have indoor spaces and indoor shelters. So when it's absolutely hammered it down, like yeah. the assault course obviously has to stay outside because you can't you can't move that. <laughs> but, the rain in the UK the big obstruction, isn't it? Yeah. The rain's the problem. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the rain, but for for cold for the temperature at the moment it it does get cold. So like have I mean I'm there eight hours a day. So I just layer up. But, but what you want to have if you're training, if you're teaching classes outside, one, people need to have like a place to put the water, the, the shelters and stuff like that. But the, the main thing about it is the more layers people have, the more layers people can take off. Yeah. So when, when you start your warm up, everyone's got gloves, hoodies, beanies, two or three base layers. <laughs> but again, we are designed like we, we have clothing designed for outdoor. Because people run all year round. It's like Caramore, Under Armour, mm-hmm. Alias, they all do great. They all do great clothing brands for it. You can get thermal sports clothing that, that gets you through. Otherwise goalies would freeze to death in 90 minutes right. oh, yeah. so, so you do have these facilities but the main thing there is if they've got somewhere dry they then take their hoodie off and they've got a dry place they go and put it you can have outdoor lockers you can have a like a shell or they just throw it into the changing room and this is what's so much better having a facility that's outdoors rather than do it in a park where like the gym bag gets soaked and that's it everything's soaked so if they take the layers off as they get hot by the end of the workout everyone's in shorts and t shirts and vests, anyway, and then when you start to cool down and you start to the stretch, they throw the layers back on. Yeah. And, you know, worst case scenario, you, you do your stretching stood up rather than sat in a puddle. Um, yeah, but you yeah. know, the, the again, oh, it, goes against, so, it
1: goes against the personal yeah. training courses, but I think you're probably yeah. all right, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but the main area for the outside training is the astroturf area, so even yeah. that is under a hay barn, so there are, there are like. ways to make it more comfortable it's got lighting like the rooms are heated so you then go into a heated changing room so you know the main thing about it it, that you kind of sell it is you're you're giving people that adjustment change to to get outside and you definitely definitely build that relationship with your body of being out in the fresh air And, and, and within a week of doing it people who are addicted to it like and so as a energy, business energy, yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah so it can be very hard to convince someone like you said to leave the comfort of the air-conditioned warm gym or the comfort of their nice cozy sofa with their tv and their netflix however once you're encouraged them to do it and they get to your premises and they see how different it is and they see that they're part of something but hey like this is pretty different as long as you can teach a concession, you've kind of got them hooked. So the longevity of your, of your, of your custom and your custom base is pretty high. So you're not, you're not the average gym. You don't get the average revolving gym consensus. So we don't get 200 people sign up in January. And out of that 10 people come to the gym, we get, Five, 10, 15 people a month come to the gym, but 90% of them stay. Ah, yeah. So it's a, it's a very different model for yeah. it because you're changing as it's such a cliche that people in the fitness industry say, you're changing their lifestyle, not just from inactive to active and unhealthy to healthy, but from being outdoors. Yeah, you know, there's one statistic I said that I think I think people who are incarcerated in prison in the UK get more access to outdoor fresh air than the average person.
1: Wow. Yeah. Which is a so really poor, so important so problem. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. And,
0: and. You're introducing them to being out in the cold and out in the rain. And in the summer, when you're doing yoga on a beach at sunset, that's a pretty easy thing to sell. You know, when people come in the summer, it's like, wow. And and, and then okay. but but winter isn't the next day. So the people that come in the spring, they Great. then get to see it in the summer, they then get to see what it's like through the autumn, and then they get to the winter. They've already, yeah. you know, they're there to stay they're not they're not put off by what 12 weeks of really bad weather yeah yeah it's yeah. as, as much as we like to complain day. about the weather yeah yeah It's yeah. the coldest
1: day and then it gets gets warmer doesn't it that's the, the point yeah well. yeah but i want to go because i want to uh, we'll, we're going after this again in the new year and hopefully in person as well in yeah so yeah yeah color. i'd love to yeah. but you're in the royal marines as well which we haven't really got a chance to talk about but we haven't what, no yet yeah. what, what were the lessons because i think about this because fear is something that people have had to combat i think and people put out their comfort zone psychologically coping with mortality what are your lessons to that finally before we before we wrap up the conversation just from the, your time in the forces when you would have been in peril you would have been in real danger you yeah, um, aren't really in, in danger of mortal danger from say COVID-19 we, we obviously have, might have people in our family who are but we, I think psychologically a lot of people have been struggling yeah
0: that's a that's a big that's a big question so there's a massive difference between fear and adrenaline so you have to be trained to deal with adrenaline in a situation that that as much as tv would show is what active servicemen go through every second of every day of their life, it's actually fractional com- compared to the amount of time you are preparing for those mm-hmm. situations that are that extreme and, and, and that intense. Fear is a long-term problem that you have to face daily. And the mental health issue we have is if COVID-19 was something that would burst through a door and, and slap you in the face and run out again, One off. Yeah. You, would, you would have a different type of fear for it. But it's the fear of something you can't see, and it's a fear that hasn't gone away. Yeah. We have this extended exposure to a slightly heightened panic mode that you then have to just wait out. And that mental health, mental health. I could talk about mental health and aspects of, of serving in quite an extreme environment. Uh, That could be a podcast that can last hours on its own. But it's the torment. What what we have now, and if you look at how crazy people have started acting, it's not. It's it's the fact that there's there's something that you can't really see and grab and get your grips on is Mm. something that really heightens the situation we have. But what we're exposed to instead is this constant adrenaline that comes in because every news broadcast is how it's gonna get us, how that you makes, have to be d- boosted, how you have to be this statistic, that statistic, what's the government gonna do? The government's doing this and everyone else is being made to do that. And that sets off the very same, very similar things to adrenaline, but you don't have anywhere to dump it. Chr- chronic,
1: chronic adrenaline,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that builds anxiety. And that's what we're really, in my view, we're in an anxiety pandemic, which is a very, very hard thing to, to combat. And you can see how that's affecting you. people arguing over toilet rolls and people arguing over petrol. Like that's, it's not because we think we're going to run out of toilet roll on edge. It's because we're on edge because of anxiety and we don't have a place to release it. And then instead of having a place to release it, everywhere has been closed. Yeah, the gym. So you, you weren't allowed gym. to go yeah. to a gym. You weren't allowed yeah. to go boxing. You were allowed to go into. So people do though. Like, people do act completely crazy for it. Military speaking, how we deal with it, uh, or how we're trained to deal with it, is is a hundred percent preparation, and, and that's and, and that's what I—the you know, biggest military lesson I take. Putting a business forward and, and going into an athlete, that's and, not and for this yeah. yeah, yeah. How you, pre- like, um, how you prepare yourself for those small intense moments that are going to be so you, you can't replicate them anywhere else on yeah. on on planet Earth. It's ninety nine percent preparation, preparation, preparation. The other thing military people do is we have as a team, and again, this is something that's very hard to get outside of this. We have incredible levels of trust redeveloped within our team with our coherent sort of people that we work with um, I mean some sports teams do work with military organisations to try and develop that you know and if, you, if you look at professional sports and professional team sports particularly in premiership football where they have the money the access to it you do get people that get involved you you might go and get a military person to come in and, mm. and talk and, and do these sort of things that can only really be created by going through high stress environments so that the people that I will be closest to militaristic you know, from a military point of view people that I was in, in training where they replicate that stress and that adrenaline yeah. as much as I can and people that i was in active duty and, and served with so we will, yeah. will always kind of like talk about you know we really have to talk about things. we will uh, have an understanding and we'll have like uh, an ability to just help the person out yeah. to your left and out to your right without that bond so potentially families are going through that right now because you deal with the loss of a loved one together you deal with the loss of uh like friends and colleagues but you also deal with the isolation together which is which is where you can produce a a positive environment for it but uh it's something that this pandemic is is going to cause long-term consequences longer than how long does COVID affect lockdowns and civil liberties. It's going to cause I mean, it's going to cause economic yep. problems and, and and things that are going to last 10, health, 20, 30 health, years. Yeah,
1: mental and physical. And,
0: and, and so. mental and physically, mentally and physically as well. I mean, if you if you look back to war times, mm. global markets and finances never really yeah. were the same after all. World War One of a stock market, it, it took years and years and years to build countries back together. And we always kind of say this is the biggest thing we've faced since wartime. Uh, we also back then didn't have a name for PTSD. We have the only name you had was shell shock, which was a condition that wasn't being researched or or things like that. Now, the amount of people who have had COVID who are being treated for PTSD and the amount of frontline workers and staff who are being treated for PTSD is absolutely through the roof. But again, it's the anxiety that the average person faces with so much media and, and social media exposure and very little, very little physical thing to go and do and put themselves into. Not very much proactive but, stuff, is there? Which is no, like, it is not. There's, there's not, I mean, I tried to limit uh, from my mental health all the way through this pandemic. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it, the first lockdown, I struggled. Uh, my, my alcohol consumption was through the roof. My sense of self-worth was incredibly, incredibly low. All the things that I identified myself with, I wasn't doing. Uh, yeah. and, and then on top of that, you know, my, my partner was off going, saving the world. Mm. So as proud as you were for that, I was a stay at home dad trying to put, you know, one, my, my, my eldest was just starting school and her school got interrupted. So I was, I was doing school wow. jobs. I was doing Joe Rick's PE lessons and stuff. And in my head, I was trying to battle with who I was and, and how I could be positive. And I didn't come up with a lot of really useful answers. The second lockdown, I just threw myself into my business, threw myself into training, threw myself into competitions. Yeah, healthy as you and, can. well it's key for everyone. I oh, the, the, yeah. the difference yeah. in my mind state was yeah. completely different. Uh, but I, you know, I luckily have had training and experiences that I've been able to, to, to pull from and learn from. Um, but, yeah, it's something mental health-wise we're going to have to deal with for a long time to come. But the first, you know, one of the first things about it is – Starting as you know, and everyone talks about male mental health, but I don't really I, I think really it's not worse in a sense, uh yeah. more than a sense, but people just talk about it more. Like yeah. I said, like the whole world's on hand now. So men haven't all of a sudden had a rise in mental health. The ability for men to have platforms to talk yeah. about mental health has made it look like there's a massive rise in a crisis in in, in male mental health. Um, But the ability for it to be socially acceptable to talk about anxiety and depression, worrying about money, nobody on planet Earth right now isn't worried about money because we don't know, you know, we, we don't know how much money yeah. we spend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nobody isn't worried about relationships. Nobody isn't worried about their health. Nobody isn't worried about life as it stands at, at, at this point in time. So the fact that nobody wants to talk about it is something that you have to change yeah. and yeah. you're, you're not going to... Yeah
1: yeah yeah and i, it I want to have those conversations people. here on the, the podcast definitely i think in a small way I yeah think yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there like you say who are offering physical mental health tips just people that are proactive and you know take your vaccine but also also do a, take yeah a, yeah a
0: positive life. 100 I'm, like, like I'm not like like i said i'm not i'm not interested in starting arguments about you know i'm not one of these people who think you shouldn't rely on no. vaccines and you shouldn't rely on medicines and things like that but, but yeah. yeah yeah but but um that's a different conversation to help in your mental health and your and your well being. And just be able, just being outside in the fresh air, in the hot and in the cold, in the summer and in the winter, in a community and doing things is an incredibly positive, productive thing for people to do.
1: I agree. Ollie brilliant we will go back in 2022 we'll talk more about the army and we'll talk Definitely. about everything else but quickly where can we follow you what, what's the best place if you, if you okay so you in, in cheshire Wolf- get down to the wolfpack yeah you if you will
0: for wolfpack wolfpack fitness cheshire is in nantwich um uh, so you can always go find us we're on facebook as wolfpack fitness cheshire and we're on instagram as wolfpack fitness cheshire
1: and brilliant! And you, and follow your journey as well through the kettlebells. Are you on? Yeah, so
0: and- I, um, I, I do most of it through the gym, but I've got my own sort of. Uh, you can follow me just on Facebook, um, just Ollie Mail. um, but I, I don't have uh, an Instagram page for it because I, I like to push it all through the business. Good man.
1: Well, your 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 kids have been amazing. So pass on the, you th- oh, they are, yeah. I, I think they uh,
0: think they're getting some kind of treat now or something. Uh, they're looking <laughs> at me like, yeah.
1: yeah. Hey, well, man, appreciate your time. <laughs> have a great Christmas, and this will go out in the new year, and I'll send you a link, and it'll be be fantastic to catch up then.
0: Yeah. Thank you much. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Ed.
1: What a man. Runs an outdoor gym, Royal Marine Commando, world champion in kettlebells, daddy daycare most of the time as his wife is, saving people in the hospital as a nurse. It's pretty phenomenal, isn't it, Ollie Mel? Compelling character. We'll have to get him back on. We'd like to talk about his time in the Marines, how that affected his psychology, his ability to get through difficult times as the past couple of years have been difficult for a lot of people across the world, haven't they, with the pandemic? And just his uh, his attitude to life is inspiring. That it was interesting nutritionally about eating a high fat percentage diet. I can see that calorifically there's a lot of energy in there. And if you can uh, sustain that and you can produce fat, uh, break it down at a high, relatively high intensity of lifting kettlebells out of thought, is really impressive. But he, he s- swerves away from the carbohydrate, which goes against maybe typical historic theory around endurance exercise and muscle glycogen and loading that up. So fascinating to speak to Ollie Mel, check out Wolfpack Fitness online. If you wanna get in touch with him, I love the idea of an outdoor gym. I think if you can wrap up warm, get out there, get the daylight, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's compelling and invigorating because so many of us just spend so much time indoors. The thought of then going to a gym after work sometimes just feels a bit like more of the same, doesn't it? Even though you get the exercise benefit, you're not getting that fresh air, that daylight, getting those brain chemistries, our circadian rhythm, all the good stuff. But Ollie Mail, great to speak to him. Thank you for listening to that. If you enjoyed it, please rate it, pass it on to a friend. Always strong, those referrals, aren't they, in terms of getting people to listen to the podcast. More importantly, I just appreciate you being here, listening to it. Uh, Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Nolveson of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations O underscore cheltenham on social media bang Olofson cheltenham just google it you'll get them facebook page as well but get the number for jason Briggs, and he'll sort you out with the best deal that's right for you in terms of your vision your budget and the equipment for you as well through serene av not just bang Olofson equipment and if you are looking to optimize your immunity i take immune complete from cytoplan immune complete 2 as an adult male it doesn't have the iron in it that women require. Uh, but if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, cytoplan.co.uk .co.uk, you can choose from a whole raft of, of supplements, food-based supplements, digested as food would be. And the discount code associated with this podcast is DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, the numerals one ten, and the capital letter R. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. I hope 2022 is going to be fantastic for you and appreciate your ongoing support and listening to it. And uh, hopefully you'll be doing more of the same in the coming weeks. Thank you very much. Have a good week and bye for now.